0: Hubhopper Originals Pretty Shoes with Tassels, Episode 2 If you haven't listened to the first one, please do so and then come back to this one as it's a continuation. Even after you place the tea tray on the table, no one gets up to take it. They wait to be served. You are supposed to serve, you realize. Everyone drinks the first sip in silence. You're surprised to feel your heart beat faster. You're anxious. You want them to like the tea even though you want nothing more to do with them. The boy's father says that it's in perfect accordance with his taste. You bless your younger sister in your mind. You watch your mother's lit up face. You know that she's already foreseeing the wedding festivities. You did well. She's happy. And she's happy after a long time. Rhea cooks very well. Despite being a working woman, you should try her aate Halva, halwa. It's mouth-watering, she says. You try to appear shy and look down at your folded hands in your lap, fervently curbing your urge to tell your mother not to lie. The elders continue to talk about weather and work and politics, anything, surreptitiously trying to verify the information Pandaji provided the two families with. Have you known Panditji for a long time, the boy's father asks your father. Yes, it's been many years. He has made a lot of matches in our family in the past. Someone I can trust blindly, your father answers. Yes, so blindly that he blinds you, you think. So have you all always lived in Delhi or, the boy's father inquires. My wife and I shifted from Lucknow after... uh, I mean, right before Rhea was born, your father responds. He doesn't say after your older sister was born. You bore into your cup of tea. You wanted to block this irrelevant chit-chat out. You think of you. You shouldn't make conversation with the man you may end up marrying in the next few months. That will make you visible. And you have to be invisible, your older sister said. You feel him watch you. You try to sneak a peek of him while sipping the tea as inconspicuously as you can manage. You see him do the same. There is a frisson. You avert your gaze immediately, ashamed and embarrassed. You see him smile and continuing to look on unabashed. You want to play the game too, but you must be somber, submissive, and subdued. As you look down, you notice his shoes. They're pretty shoes. Shoes with tassels Tassels, especially in shoes, have always fascinated you But in a dark, eerie sort of way, like a foreboding Your younger sister always thought there was something evil about tassels Now you're annoyed at her for making you think this way You don't want to think of tassels as evil You want to like tassels, it's easier that way Both the pairs of parents address the boy in you they look satisfied with each other. It means that they've liked each other. It means that the marriage is happening. Your father's smile is less broad than everyone else's. That means that he has to bear the entire cost of the wedding celebrations a second time. You can show Abhimanyu around the house, Riya, your mother says, indicating caution in her eyes and hiding excitement behind reservation in her tone. That's your cue for act two. The boy stands up as you stand up and straightens his coat and shakes his wrist watch. You walk him around the first floor. That's the kitchen. That's the TV room. Outside is the garden. You speak minimally in short sentences. Despite yourself, Sarika's instructions play in the background. It's a very pretty house. The interiors are decorated so tastefully. Have you travelled around a lot? He asks looking at the elaborate Egyptian masks hung on one of the walls. Sarika had bought these when she visited Egypt on a trip. No, you say, those were a gift. You feel tense. The masks always make you nervous. But today you're nervous in general. I could show you upstairs, you say, already pointing towards the staircase. You walk one step behind him, even though you're leading. As you walk, you notice his gait. It's confident, but not in an imposing, condescending sort of way. Even as he walks in front of you, he walks front beside you. And that's a good thing, you think. Maybe for once the pandichi did a fine job at matchmaking. Or maybe the boy just didn't know where to go. You like to think the former. This is my parents' room. This is the prayer room. This is the guest room. You continue upstairs. You smile at the end of each statement. This is my bedroom. I share it with my younger sister. There's a balcony inside, you say. You walk him into your room. He looks around at the picture frames and the paintings hung on the wall. They're mostly of you and your younger sister and both of your friends. There's one with Sarika, but you don't mention her. This is what your mother's cautionary glance was about. You were a regular family of four not a family of four and a dead girl. He admires the paintings and asks if you've done them. You unsuccessfully stifle your laugh at done them. He stares back unhumoured. You walk him to the balcony. You two gaze at the road. There are cars and scooters parked, dogs running about. The breeze makes her sari flutter. You know he's appraising you. You feel conscious, but you don't dislike the appraisal. You're glad that your mother pulled out that strand of hair. To ease yourself, you consider it a partition between the two of you. So, he says. So, you say. So, what do you like to do for fun? He asks. You're confused by his question. It's more than a yes and no question. It's an open-ended question. It's a real question. Sarika always said it would never be about you, that you should never try to make it about you, that you must ensure that it's never about you. But this was about you and you liked things being about you. What do you like to do for fun? Maybe it's a trick question. You want to say your job. Your job because it gets you money and the independence and self-sufficiency are magnetic because it's helped you grow as a person and there's no more pleasure in knowing that you've actually helped someone climb up the professional ladder because you genuinely think it's fun. I like to cook, paint and sing, you say mechanically, even though your younger sister bangs at the bathroom door when you croon in the shower. That's great. You love my sister. She likes to sing too. She's trained in carnatic music, in fact, he says smile and nod. You show your teeth a little bit this time. He's growing on you. He must be a loving brother. He must also be culturally aware to know the different types of classical music. Is there a certain kind of music you like to sing? He asks. You hesitate. You're caught off guard again. You wanted to say pop. You wanted to say Beyonce and dancey Punjabi music. I like Indian folk music, you say. Punjabi music could be folk music, couldn't it? Auntie mentioned something about your work? He asks again. You're astounded now. Happy astounded. He calls your mother auntie. He's asking about your work. He's either read your biodata thoroughly or paid full attention to your mother. Both mean he's great. Fucking tassels don't mean anything. He isn't like Sarika's man at all. He isn't like Sarika's man at all. He couldn't be posing so many trick questions. You think it's okay to drop the facade now? You don't have to continue to be somber, submissive, and subdued. I'm an HR consultant. I help people get jobs by connecting job seekers and organizations with vacancies. I quite like it, the work, even though it takes up a lot of my day. You say? That's interesting. He says. No one at home really understands your obsession with your work. You're excited that the man you may end up marrying in the next few months is interested in your work. In fact, I got a message in the morning saying they're promoting me to director at the Delhi branch. You go on unthinkingly. His face visibly drops. He's not wearing the smile he was wearing while talking about Carnatic music. You think something is wrong. Maybe you shouldn't have said the director part. No one likes a show-off. Good, he says curtly. It'll be difficult to balance everything after getting married though, right? With all the household chores and all. You should just help with my sister's music practices, you know, and leave the rest to me. Then he adds with a pause and the most ill-intentioned smile. Let me care for you. You're hit right in the face. You stare at him. You stare at him hard and you're not somber, submissive or subdued about it. The breeze becomes stronger and blows into your face, loosening your hair. You shake your head. You're not going to be another Sarika, you decide. You decide that you're not going to be invisible because you like visibility. You don't want to lay or bend or crouch or bow. Right, you say, taking in what he just said. You laugh. It's not a pleasant laugh. It's an I told you so laugh. I so fucking told you so. You see his eyes bug out in surprise, squint in confusion and then his eyebrows furrow in fury. You continue. You laugh boisterously and brusquely, the echoes ringing in your ears, his ears. You hear your mother call you downstairs. Both of you walk back in silence. You don't walk behind him this time. You walk a step in front. You see open boxes of Indian sweetmeats. You're officially bright to be Maybe that goal didn't help much. Your decisions of visibility and invisibility don't matter because those decisions are never going to be yours to take anymore. Those tassels, those tantalizing fucking tassels, you think we start a the same way trapped this Hubhopper Original ko sunne ke liya aapka shukriya agar aap bhi apna podcast launch karna chahte hain, Hubhopper studio website bei register karay aur ek minute ke